What does church mean to you? Support, love, family, worship, service, growth, opportunity. Church is important to all of us, but to many, church is a place of discomfort, hatred, exclusion, condemnation. So what should the church be? Acts tells the story of the early church, a church who cared for their people, who worshiped the living God, who is led by the Holy Spirit, and who was united by the Holy Spirit. How can we give the gift of the church to others? Help them see it the way we do. Let's find ways to better care for each other in our community. Let's remember to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in everything we do. Let's come together, united, despite what differences we may have. Let's be the church. So our sermon series this month is called Acts, the early church. Where we'll be learning about um, what that first church teaches us as the church today. And so this morning we'll be reading from Acts chapter 2, verses 40. Let's do, sorry, let's do uh, 41 through 47. I'll start with verse 41. It says, so those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The words that you saw in our video this morning, support, love, family, worship, service, growth, and opportunity are the words that I received this week on Facebook from all of you about what the church means to you. So clearly the church is very meaningful and important to all of us. I have always thought of the church as my safe place, right? My safe place, my family, somewhere that I will always be supported and encouraged and loved no matter what. The place where I had people that I could look up to, where I received advice and mentorship. The church was the reason that I made it through some of the most difficult times in my life. The church here at Oxford First and all the churches that we may have grown up in have raised us, have strengthened us, and have sustained us. But the sad truth is that many people, they don't have maybe the same experience that we have had with the church. When I think of people who have been condemned by the church, who never felt loved or welcomed at their church, people who were even abused at their church, I am heartbroken, I'm disappointed, and I'm angry because that is never what the church was supposed to be. 
when we see the church fail, we can look to scripture, to the origins of the church, to see what the church is supposed to be. And then we can hold that up against our own church to see how we're doing. So remember a few weeks ago, we talked about using both scripture and experience to learn about God. So we have our own experiences of church that have taught us either what the church is supposed to be or maybe what it's not supposed to be. And then we also have scripture that positively teaches us what the church was created to be. And so today we turn to the book of Acts, which starts with the ascension of Jesus Christ. And then it tells us the story moving forward from there. So Acts kind of serves as a history book of the church. All right. And uh, maybe also a narrative of Jesus's disciples and the first apostles. And what's cool about this history of the church is that it also serves as a framework for what the church is supposed to be. Because in Acts 2 that we read today, we see a church that did not fail, but a church that was greatly successful, not only in numbers or growth, but in the way that it treated its people. And the way that it treated its people. You see, a lot of people, they measure the success of a church by how many people it has. Or how big of events they have. Or their numbers on Sunday morning. But the true success of a church is measured by how it loves God and how it loves their people. Amen? That's the true success of a church. Do you want to know if a church is a good church? We'll visit one on Sunday morning and see if people welcome you. Or go eat dinner at one of their community meals and see if people sit with you. If you're struggling and in need, see if the people pray for you and they care for you. Today's scripture in Acts 2, it teaches us that the early church was a church who cared for their people. Before our passage started today, Peter was speaking to a large group of people about how God had raised Jesus Christ from the dead and how he was in fact the Messiah and how he broke the power of death. And this sermon that you could say really resonated with all of the people there and they wanted to respond in some way. And Peter told them to repent and be baptized and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So then it says about 3,000 people were baptized that day and joined this group and this fellowship of believers. And then this is when it goes on to describe what this group of believers was like. It was known as the first church. And the story reminds us that the church is not a building, but the church is the people. It's the people and how that group of people responds to the good news of Jesus. So the church is not a building, it's a group of people. And what were these people in Acts 2 like? Well, number one, they were united over what they had in common. They were united over what they had in common. Verse 44 says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. Now let's think about this. Is it possible that every single person in this church had every single thing in common? What do you think? Probably not, right? Because whenever you get a group of people together, especially one this big, there's going to be diversity, right? People have different upbringings. They look different. They have different personalities. They have different opinions. 
They may not always agree on everything. And in today's world, today's world, Christians have different political opinions. Christians have different ways of interpreting the Bible. Christians have different theologies. They worship differently on Sunday mornings. They baptize people differently. They take communion differently. We have lots of differences. Even in this church, right here, we have differences. We have lots of diversity, right? We don't all agree on everything. So what did this verse mean when it says that they had all things in common? Well, I think it means, of course, they had differences, but they did choose to unite over what they did have in common. They chose to unite over what they did have in common. And that was a lot. Not only was it a lot, but it, was the, it were the things that were most important. Because they all believed that Jesus was the Messiah. They all lived from the freedom of the resurrection. Because they all focused on helping those in need and caring for one another. Because they had those things in common, well, they had all things in common. In other words, they united over what was important. You may disagree with your brother and sister in Christ over a lot of things. But if you focus on what you have in common, if you remember that we all believe Jesus is our Savior, our lives have all been impacted in some way by God, and we are all beloved children of God. If we focus on those things, then we're really all the same. And so the early church had all things in common. Or in other words, they had the important things in common. And despite their differences, they came together over a single purpose. They, had, they all had the same purpose. We have a lot to learn from that, don't we? We have a lot to learn from that. Number two, they spent quality time together. They spent quality time together. Verse 46 says, They spent much time together in the temple, and they broke bread together in their homes. So not only did they meet at the church building, but they spent time together outside of those set hours. Right? They went to each other's homes and spent time together. Do we try and spend time with each other outside of Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights? Do we seek out that quality time together throughout the week that lifts us up and sustains us and encourages us? Because the early church did. They knew the importance of this time together. I think it's important to look at what they did when they were together. Because they didn't just meet for food and they talk and they went home. Remember, it was quality time. And this means that they learned from the apostles and they studied together. They remembered the Lord's Supper and they prayed for each other. So everything they did contributed to their faith growing and their community being strengthened. They had a purpose in their time together. Is our time that we spend together, is it beneficial and uplifting? Or do we just gossip together? Does our time together lead to growth? Are we really growing in our faith together? Are we making each other better? That's what the early church did. All right, number three, they were generous. Number three, they were generous. 
Verse 45 says they would sell their possessions and their goods, and then they would distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. So think about what that really means. Just think about that for a moment. They would get rid of their own things. They would empty themselves. They would go without if it meant that those in need were taken care of. Wow. I mean, do we care about people enough to sacrifice our own prosperity? It's a difficult question. This was a community who had less so others could have more. I think we get real worked up if we have to get if we have to give something up of ours and someone else gets it. I mean, I know I do, right? If I'm called to give money to the church or to a charity, well, that means I can't shop for myself as much. I don't want to give up my shopping, right? Or if I'm called to serve at a local homeless shelter or soup kitchen, that means that I have to give up some of my free time for others. Well, I don't want to give up my Netflix watching time, right? If God calls me to help a single mother without a job or a homeless man with an addiction, they don't deserve my hard-earned money. This is my money. Let me tell you something. The early church did not care. They didn't care. It says they gave to all. They gave to all as any had need. They weren't, there were not requirements someone had to meet. There weren't hoops that people had to jump through. They just gave generously to those who needed it. Do we do that? It's a hypothetical question. Just think about it. Do we do that? It's hard. It's really hard. We all struggle with it. But it is something that the church is called to do. To give generously. To be generous. Number four. They were led by grace. They were led by grace. Verse 47 says, They had the goodwill of all the people. Now what does that word goodwill mean? So the Greek word used there, charis, is actually, this is interesting, it's better translated to grace or to favor. So this means that the people of the church had grace for each other and looked upon each other favorably. Having the goodwill of all the people meant that they chose to see the good in each other. They weren't critical or hard on each other. They didn't constantly point out their shortcomings, but they had grace for each other. Even if they messed up and they looked on and spoke favorably of each other, even if they didn't always see eye to eye. And that is a convicting one. That's really convicting to me because none of us have a perfect score of treating each other with grace. Am I right? We don't always treat each other with grace. It is hard to have the goodwill of all the people when really we just want to call them out or point out their mistakes or seek revenge for how they treated us. But again, the church is called to be led by grace. So we're, we're called to something higher, right? 
something higher than what our instincts tell us to do. We're called higher. So how can we model ourselves after this church? So out of those four points that I just mentioned, are there things that we need to improve on? Think about that. The four characteristics of this group of people from Acts 2 are they united over what they had in common. They spent quality time together. Spent quality time together. They were generous. And they were led by grace. So think about those four qualities and reflect on, first reflect on what our church is really good at. Because we're good at a lot of things. <laughs> reflect on what our church is really good at. And then what our church maybe could use some work on. Because there's always room for improvement. Change starts with the individual. Do you know that? Change starts with the individual. So if you, as an individual, if you as an individual decide to let God work on your heart, maybe it's answering the call to choose grace rather than criticism. Or maybe it's making a change in your personal finances to be more generous. Maybe it's being intentional about your time with one another. Whatever it is, if you as an individual let God shape you and let God mold you, and then if we have dozens of individuals who are doing that same thing, it'll catch fire. And God will transform our church. He can transform our church here. He can transform our church in the city of Oxford. He can change the church in America. But it starts as individuals. So if we can let God mold and shape us, then our church can be transformed. Don't we want to be like the church in Acts 2? We want to be a church that's led by the Holy Spirit and lets God use us to change people, to make a difference. Don't we want to be like that church? Let's pray. God, we want to be a church like Acts 2. We want to be generous. We want to spend quality time together. Lord, we want to be led by grace. God, we want to be the church that you have called us to be. It is a big responsibility because so often the church is not like that. But you have called us to something higher. So Lord, we ask that you would shape us, that you would work in our hearts, that you would move us to change, that you would inspire us, that you would push us to be better, that you would push us into our communities to make a difference. Lord, we here at Oxford, we want to be your church. We want to be your church. And so, Lord, we open our hearts to you today. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you change us? Would you use us here at Oxford? Amen.